0: that was the real passionate part that I had was getting to educate those volunteers because most of those volunteers had never seen a farm before, had never gardened or anything. And so I got to be a part of that awakening for them. And it, it really was a passionate moment for me.
1: Incat's newest sustainable agriculture specialist, Darren Gauss, grew up in Yoakum, Texas, a small agricultural town. After some other career moves, he made his way back to agriculture, including a stint as the farm manager at the San Antonio, Texas Food Bank. In this episode of Voices from the Field, Darren tells fellow Incat staffer Justin Duncan about his journey and the passion that he feels for spreading the word about sustainable agriculture. Now that he's gone from using NCATS Sustainable Agriculture Resources to being a staff member, he describes what he thinks he can contribute and some of what he hopes to learn. Let's listen. Hi, my name is Justin Duncan, and I'm
2: here today with uh, Darren Gauss, and we're going to do a Meet the Darren podcast and find out all about Darren. First off, Darren, why don't you give us a quick history of where you were born and raised?
0: Yeah, so just like Justin said, my name is Darren Gauss, Gauss Gauss-like house. I was born in a small town called Yoakum, Texas. Uh, At the time, it was probably only 5,000 people. And I don't, I don't think it's moved up much from there. And then we moved to a town called Pearland, Texas when I was five with my dad relocating for a job. And, uh, back then it was, I think we were moving in and it was about 18,000 people. Then it was just, just south of Houston. That's where I did most of my K through 12. And then I stayed a little bit longer after high school.
2: Good to know that you lived out in Houston because Houston is great. Uh, was raised there myself so. so do you have any uh, family connections to agriculture
0: yeah so like when i say that i'm from yokum texas yokum texas was the leather capital of the world at one point so it was just kind of surrounded by agriculture anywhere from you know cow calf producers and hay producers and then lots of row crop producers out there as well and they were also famous for tomatoes um every year we have the tom tom festival so there were, it was sand country. So there was a lot of tomato growers out there as well. So yeah, definitely it was kind of surrounded all by it, uh, especially when I was in Yokum. But even in Pearland, like I said, it wasn't too big of a city at that m- moment in time. Now it's over 120,000 people. But at the time that I was living there, you know, even our neighborhood was kind of out on out on the edge of town and there was a pasture of cattle right behind the house. So I definitely remember it well growing up and agriculture just being all around me and me asking my parents what was going on and hearing all those stories and hearing the stories from when they were kids. And even, you know, I I like to hunt and fish. And so when there was time and weekends to go hunting and fishing, especially dove hunting and deer hunting, we would go out there and back to Yoakum. And before hunting began, it was time to go check the cows you know because my grandparents had cows themselves on the land and so that's what we did first before we did anything you know hunting wise and so, um, your, gran-
2: so your grandparents actually were involved in, in agriculture as well
0: yes my grandparents for sure were uh, you know primary jobs were uh, teacher uh, I had a, a my grandmother was a teacher my grandfather was a, an attorney lawyer for the town of Yoakum. Then my other grandparents, uh, one was a stay-at-home mom, and then one uh, was a retired Navy veteran, and then he worked for the Texas Department of Transportation. But, you know, they all lived on land, and so they either owned land in a different town nearby or lived on land. And so there was always something going on, and they were definitely involved in cow-calf operations and large gardening and chickens and something going on all the time.
2: That's pretty cool. So... What about your academic history? Uh, What what led you to pick agriculture as your major?
0: Yeah, so like I said, when when I graduated uh, high school, I was actually in Pearland, um, and my dad was an architect. So you know, the first thing that came to mind for me was let's go be an architect. So I I started at the University of Houston, architecture out of high school, and I enjoyed it. I I definitely liked the architecture classes, but it was kind of demanding and I kind of lost focus in my core classes. Uh, You know, who wants to go do calculus when you get to sit there and design and paint and do things that really interest you? But then I got a job as a kitchen designer. So we designed kitchens and serveries for schools and hospitals and office buildings, bigger buildings that needed their own uh, kitchen. And once I got that job, I was like, do I really need to get a degree? I'm getting paid pretty well. I might as well just stick with the job. And that's what kind of happened. And then I started realizing that I really liked it back in Yoakum better. And so I was still going there on weekends to hunt and fish and garden with my grandmothers and and my aunt. I just realized that I really enjoyed Yoakum more than I did the city life in the concrete jungle. And so I ended up moving back. And when I moved back, you know, I was just living in a camper on the, my aunt's 20 acres and I was uh, a ranch hand for a cow calf operation there. It was uh, about 10,000 acres and a thousand head of mama cows. Yeah. And so once I was doing that, I I kind of, I saw that agriculture around me and uh, just fell in love with it again. And the seasons and, you know, when was hay season and when was, When was it time to just feed cattle because they didn't have enough grass and and all that and when we started working cattle you know i just i had that aha moment of i was riding horseback uh through some brush and i rode up on some deer and you know because you're on horseback they don't know what a man on a horse looks like and they haven't seen it that much before and it was just kind of a serene moment and i realized that i i wanted to be outside and a part of that ag cycle again and so I was, you know, at the time I was dating a, a girl that's now my wife and she was had plans to be a teacher and she wanted to go to Texas State University. And so I joined her there and finished my bachelor's in science and agriculture. And at that time it was kind of a, I was a what they called a non-traditional student because I was almost 30 at the time, but it really helped focus me as well. Going back at an older age, you know, you put your priorities first and it, it's a little bit more enjoyable. I think. And uh, while I was there, I got to work on the student sustainable farm. And we were basically a one acre garden that we were growing food that went back to culinary sites on the Texas State University campus. And so we were students feeding students, and I just fell in love with growing food again.
2: That's pretty awesome. So, what have you been doing since you graduated?
0: Yes. So, for the last uh, five years, I was working at the San Antonio Food Bank as the farm manager. San Antonio Food Bank actually has an urban farm located right behind their property. There's 40 acres behind the property, and then there's also 65 acres out at the Mission San Juan on the southeast side of San Antonio. And with that 105 acres, we were able to produce about 300,000 pounds of fruits and vegetables each year, and that went back into the system into our warehouse and it was distributed through our 550 plus agencies uh, stores and our community kitchen. And then uh, we had a mobile Mercado that reached uh, food desert areas in downtown San Antonio and uh, it went all out through there. And then not only that, we used that farm in conjunction with our nutrition program to be kind of educators in the community in the 29 counties that we served. And so we had a lot of different education programs and we taught about, you know, five to six thousand people a year. And then we also had uh, volunteers that came out and harvested all of our fruits and vegetables. We had no harvesting equipment. It was all done by volunteers. And so that was the real passionate part that I had was getting to educate those volunteers because most of those volunteers had never seen a farm before, had never gardened or anything. And so I got to be a part of that awakening for them. And it, it really was a passionate moment for me.
2: I was just going to say that that's pretty awesome, right? Cause you know, you, you keep on saying that, 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 theme of you've got this passion for, for your work and, and, you know, that's how I run too. And I feel like it's, it's best to, to love what you do. And then you, you don't really feel like you're working. You feel like you're you know doing what makes you happy. So I like that. That's your theme that you've got this passion for your work
0: yeah absolutely. Passion was definitely a a driving force for me. you know as a farmer farm manager, you kind of put on different hats. you know one day you're working on irrigation or welding equipment that's broken, and it's all outside and in the Texas heat and it's uh, hard days, but at the end of the day you you look back and you realize that, hey, this food is going to go to feed hungry people, and uh, we get to educate people that don't know about agriculture. And hopefully they'll in turn, you know, even maybe just start their own backyard garden. And um, that passion is is truly what drove me to do that hard work every day.
2: So since you've got this experience at the food bank, you've already, you know, had all this other experience that you've built on. How are you going to, you know, work what you've done before into your career at NCAT?
0: Yeah. So I think a lot of it is going to be um, that education piece. You know, it was a lot of of learning myself. You know, book learning is totally different than in hand training. And so I kind of just want to turn that knowledge that I've gained over the last five years over to some other people in other ways. And NCAT, I think, you know, is an excellent provider in technical assistance to farmers in our our entire nation. And so I just, uh, I love learning and I love teaching and I'm ready to extend my network
2: what skills do you, th- do you uh, feel you're most confident in?
0: Yeah. So there's some areas that I'm definitely confident in um, like soil health and, and vegetable and fruit production. Uh, we also had a greenhouse there that did hydroponics and aquaponics. So I feel uh, very firm in hydroponics. And then, you know, also, like I said, the hunter and fisherman in me is also a conservationist. And so wildlife conservation is is really important to me. And so, I hope I get to bring all those passions to NCAT and uh, give in a little bit of uh, different ways. And especially, you know, towards the last two years of my time at the food bank, you know, while I was there, I was implementing sustainable practices like cover cropping. But towards the end, I was really going into the regenerative practices of regenerating our soils. And I wanted to be the best steward of the land that was, you know, given to me to be a caretaker of. And so, I know that NCAT works a lot with those different soil health principles and regenerative practices, and so I'm excited to use that knowledge and use it in ways that uh, is beneficial for NCAT and all the people that they serve as well.
2: All right, all right. So you know, um, we just finished up our CIG uh, project, and we were looking at different cover crops down in South Texas. So what what was your favorite cover crop that you grew down at the uh, at the food bank farm?
0: Yeah, so like I said, I only had about five years with it and in terms of soil health. That's just a, a quick snapshot. You know, the whole time I was doing cover cropping, I was looking at, you know, NCAT and natural publications, and I see Justin Duncan's name and doing work with humid and environment cover crops. And I really wanted to to try some of those, but just in the knowledge that I had gained at that time, you know, I went with kind of some of the The typical cover crops that you see, I remember the very first cover crop that I did, it was just wheat. That was kind of a monetary decision. You know, it was the cheapest thing that we could just try and get in the ground and see if it worked. From there, I kind of went into multi-species cover crops where we were doing, you know, in the winter, we were doing wheat, barley, oats, triticale, clover, uh, nitro radishes, different types of brassicas and mustards in in our cover crop. Um, And then I got to kind of play with some of the summer cover crop, and I know you worked with sun hemp um, down there, and I got to implement some sun hemp. And then we did some legumes, some some lab lab, and some soybean we tried. You know, I I would read your papers about pigeon pea, and I really wanted to try that, and I just never could find the seed source to cover 105 acres, and I was always wanting to talk to you about it, and now I get to work with you. And so, I'm sure we'll have conversations about it. I'm excited,
2: uh, you know, i'm I'm really excited about pigeon peas myself. Um, so with the source, i'll I'll get with you uh, after this, but yeah, so the source became kind of problem problematic for a lot of people. So when you talk to your friends and family about ncat about what it what it does, like how how do you describe ncat? How do you describe its importance to them?
0: Yeah. so you know, waiting for my start date so many people asked that question and wanted to know like oh who are you working for and and what do they do and you know my answer then was that it was a national nonprofit that helps farmers and ranchers with technical assistance and and knowledge with a, a large peer-to-peer network and that they were more specifically geared towards sustainable efforts and in, including energy and uh, that's almost just like a snapshot of of what i was able to learn during the interview process and what i learned over the years of following atra then they usually asked me well what do, what do you mean sustainable what do you mean sustainable ag and that always led to that question and i would kind of explain what sustain, sustainability meant and now that we we may have to start not only thinking about sustaining but actually regenerating to make the world continue as it's as it's growing and to me, that's important because whether we're talking about climate change or dwindling resources or declining nutrition and health, it's it's quite easy to see um, that it cannot be sustained and it's organizations like NCAT and all of its partners to change that and uh, to give a fighting chance and, and the formula to fix it for the generations to come.
2: All right. So, so Darren, that was, I feel like it was awesome. I mean, because, you know... I, I feel like a little, I know you a little bit better now. You've said all the, all the good stuff. You've pushed all the right buttons, uh, in my book. So, uh, anything else you want to say that, you know, you want people to know about Darren Gauss like house?
0: Yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, uh, really excited to be with NCAT now and, and getting to work on all the different projects, the hundreds of projects that y'all work on nationwide and get to have my hand in a little bit of that. And hopefully, spread my knowledge and, and gain some at the same time.
2: A oh, good deal. All right, well, it was good talking with you, Darren. We'll see y'all next time.
1: All right. Thanks, Justin. That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening. Additional information about this episode and related resources can be found at atra.incat.org. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Voices from the Field wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Rich Myers. ATRA, Voices from the Field, is produced by the National Center for Appropriate Technology, headquartered in Butte, Montana. It's supported by the USDA Rural Business Cooperative Service as part of NCAT's ATRA Sustainable Agriculture Program. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this recording are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the USDA or NCAT. We'll catch you again next week, and until then... Keep on farming.